experiences are what define us. Everything in your life can teach you. We call these our defining moments. Now, join Debbie Montgomery Johnson and her featured guest as they help you stop hiding things in your life and instead learn to embrace them and stand proud. It's Defining Moments, and it begins now. Here is your host, Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to be with you today for our inaugural Defining Moments show. I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, and I'm coming to you live from Lake Worth, Florida. We're quickly preparing for Hurricane Irma to grace us with her presence this weekend. And I got to tell you, I wasn't sure if the butterflies in my stomach this morning were because of the new radio show or because of preparations for Irma. But in any event, I'm going to stand up in my power today and just go with the flow and enjoy my first show on Voice America Women's Channel. But before I forget... I'd like to thank Robert Cellino, my executive producer, and Rebecca Hallgreider for this incredible opportunity. I participated in the 2017 California Women's Conference Speak Off this spring, and I was able to compete against a whole slew of wonderful people, and the grand prize for winning were my own radio show, pilot, or pilot show, and a television show, and It's just been an incredible opportunity. I'm so grateful to Rebecca and Robert for uh, providing this for me. But today, we're going to move on, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about why Defining Moments came about and the importance of standing up and speaking up in our power. I want to say that many of us have something, something that we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making something that we keep hidden and in turn that keeps us hidden from each other in the world. And those are defining moments. Defining moments come at many times in our lives, many times in our lives. And we're going to have the opportunity to talk about two of those today, two of mine anyway, with my guests, Dr. Jack and Gwen Butts, who are fondly known to me as mom and dad. And I will probably call them that throughout the show today. Because they are the two people who I trust with everything in my life, including my hidden stories. So, I welcome you and I want you to play with me a little bit here today. Wherever you are, I want you to raise your hand if you've had a, ever had a defining moment. And I define that as a moment that changed your life forever. And sometimes it comes with a cost. So, raise your hand here, play with me. Raise your hand if you've been married. I can feel a lot of hands going up. Perhaps you've had a baby. Raise your hand if you've had a baby or experienced a grandbaby. Or perhaps you've had a divorce. Raise your hand if you've had a divorce. I'll wait on that one because it's funny when I've asked this question in the, with live audiences before, I've had more hands go up higher for that one than for when someone raised it for a wedding. How about the death of a family member? Raise your hand if you've had a death in the family. Now, I've had several, well, three out of four of those defining moments in my life. But the ones we're going to talk about today were two that happened in the last 10 years. The first one came when I received a call. And I call it the call because it's the call that changed my life forever. 
And for me, it came from my oldest son, Christopher. It was on April 8th, 2010. And I was at a meeting. I was working for the school district of Palm Beach County at the time as a treasurer. And I was in a meeting and I had my telephone off. At the first break, around 10 o'clock in the morning, I went out and I noticed that my telephone was blown up with messages. I'm like, what in the world is happening here? And I picked up the first call because I saw it was from Chris, who was 23 at the time. And I listened to that call and he said, Mom, Dad just died. I'm coming home to take care of everything. Well, as you can imagine, my life changed forever in a moment. The next call was from my mom and my dad. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Because my life changed substantially in a moment where I became a single mom of four, the president and CEO of an international company, which I knew nothing about running, called BenfoTMing.net. And I had to do everything that I didn't know how to do with Lou's company in an instant. And then prepare for a funeral, prepare for bringing my kids in, prepare for all these things that I was sort of prepared for. But Lou is not sick. So I hadn't expected him to die quickly at age 55. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And the hook to defining moments for me is six months after Lou died, my friends were all saying, Deb, you've got to get a life. There's something more than just work for you. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because my life had become work, 20 hours a day. The four hours at night from about two until six, I was alone in my bed for the first time in 25 years for an extended period of time. And it was the one time in my life when I didn't have to put up the mask of perfection and be the strong woman that everybody wanted me to be. But it was a time that I lay in bed by myself alone and feeling lonely and sad and wondering why in the world did this happen to me? But I'm not one to play the victim. I'm not one to be the, you know, woe is me. I'm more of the Pollyanna. And I wanted things to be right. So when my friend said you needed a life, you got to start dating. I kind of thought about it, even though I really didn't like dating when I was young. I certainly didn't want to do it at age 52. But I said, let's try it. And she, my friend said, try online dating. So we're going to talk a little, about, little bit about my online dating and what came out of that. But my, defi- my defining moment with online dating came at a price of $1,080,762. Think about that number. I always laugh because when I think about that number, I'm like, that's enough money to buy a small private island. <laughs> or you could, get, you could get a seat, a round trip seat on a commercial flight to Mars. Or my favorite is 66,666 large bags of peanut M&Ms. Mm-mm. I should have done that. <laughs> so my defining moment came when the man that I had fallen in love with, the man I met online after my husband Lou had died, Suddenly, the man I gave my life to, my heart and my mind to, my dreams and my $1 million to, when he came online and confessed it was all a scam. Big pause. That was a huge defining moment in my life. 
And we're going to talk about that because I want you to hear from my parents' side. Because part of my mission here in The Woman Behind the Smile and Defining Moments is that we all hide from our stories. And it keeps us from moving forward. And I'm, I get so sad and so upset when I hear of other women and men who have gotten scammed over the online dating stuff. Or just for any reason. Uh, lately, it's been friends' fathers have been called and they've been taken by telephone scammers. Or there's a variety of fraud and deceit that's out there. And it just makes me mad because what happens is when, this, when we get defrauded, when we get scammed, we hide. We don't want to talk about it because we don't want other people making us feel stupid, ashamed, guilty, or a victim. We don't want that. And by hiding, no one will know what happened. But we'll never, ever be able to move on. And we need to be able to move on. We need to be able to live our lives in an honest, open way. And so the best way for me to train people to get forward, to move forward from that, is to tell them to stand up in their own power. And stand up is an acronym for so many things, but the T and stand up we're going to talk about today because that is find a trusted friend or a family member. And my most trusted friends and family members are my mom and dad. I'm going to introduce them to you right now. It's Dr. Jack and Mrs. Gwen Butts. They are from Vermont. Well, originally, they live here in Florida now. They just moved back here to Florida with me about a month ago, and Irma is welcoming, welcoming them with full force. Mm. So I'd like to introduce Dr. Jack, my dad, and Gwen Butts to our show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Are you there? Thank you for including us. Yeah, Pop, you there? Great. Good to be here. Well, we're so excited. We're so excited. (laughs) Well, we're just at the beginning of the storm, and uh, it's going to come fast, and we'll be okay because we prepared, and that's that's part of us, Dad. We always prepare for the things and just pray pray that it'll blow out. But we're going to go ahead and start a little bit, Mom. I'm going to start with you because uh, when I introduced the show and talked about the call, the call was from Christopher to me, but I believe the call might have gone to you first. Is that what happened? Can you tell That's us what right. happened? That's right, Deb. Um, it was about quarter of nine in the morning, <clears throat> excuse me, and the phone rang, and I answered it, and it was Christopher. I said, Christopher, you're in California. Are you all right? And he said, yes, Grandma, but, and then he told me what happened. And I said, well, how did they get a hold of you? And they said, well, I guess they tried to get Mom at school, and her phone was off, so they called me. So I'm calling you. All right, I will try to get your mom right away. And so that's what I did. And I I also, this is not funny, but Dr. Buss, my husband, was on the golf course. And I had to call and tell him to come home right away. So he he did. And we were told what happened and where it happened. And so we immediately got in the car and drove to where Lou had spent the night. Well, let me explain to people what... What had happened is Lou had left home the night before to go over to the west coast of Florida where you guys were living so that he could get his car prepared for a race he was going to be in in uh, Miami the following week. So he was he was just literally, what, a half an hour from you guys? About 40 minutes from us. 40 minutes, okay. So we, got, so we got in the car and we went up and we talked to the people and we went to the hospital. And okay. we did, it was Lewis. 
So okay. that's when the, the ball started rolling, and we knew that there were plenty, plenty of things to do with Deb. Right, and, and the way it had happened is Lou passed away. So he had actually gone downstairs to have breakfast, and this I'm telling this to folks because you never know when it's your time. And Lou had been fairly healthy. He did have diabetes, and he was very overweight, but it was all under control, or we thought. And that morning, he woke up, went downstairs for breakfast, looked at the man beside him, and said, I'm having a heart attack. Call 911. And by the way, there's my truck. Put all my stuff in the car, and it went from there. Is that? Did you guys hear that story? Because that's what was told to me. Yes, that was that was exactly the same as what we were told. Okay, and he was only about eight to ten miles away from the hospital, so very close. Okay. Yeah, not even that. Not even that. But he did no. pass away quickly, um, within a half an hour of getting to the hospital, was my understanding. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Okay, so you guys had to go over and make the, you had to tell everybody who, that you were part of the family and that you had to identify Lou, and right. what happened after that? What happened in your life um, once that happened? Well, I have to tell you one thing about the golf course episode. The only time that it ever happened to me previously was when I got a call from my wife when she was pregnant, and I was playing golf. One of, the very, one of the few times I had a chance to play because I was still in school. And uh, she said, you got to come home right away. I said, I'm having a great golf game. Well, I don't care. you got to come home. I'm having a baby soon. So that's the only time I got called off besides this episode with Lou. So well, it was, uh, that first time was a little bit better. Of course. Yeah. Yep. But after, after we were there and uh, talked to the people in the hotel and the doctors, we decided we had to drive right to see Deb. So we drove straight down, and uh, and she can tell you the rest. Well, you guys were with me from the very beginning. You came over the next morning, and we were able right. to make incredible preparations uh, for a, a huge memorial service for Lou. And then we brought the kids in. My oldest boys were military pilots, and they were outside of, this, of Florida. They were in California and Oh, gosh, I'm having a brain cramp for Charlie. I believe he was in Alabama, and my daughter Jenny was in Utah, so we had to fly her home. And it was an extraordinary experience that I, I basically went into uh, suspended animation is the way I put it because things were happening around me in such a quick manner. Uh, but I also knew that Charlie was graduating from flight school, and I was supposed to go to that, and I couldn't. And Jenny was having her birthday, and we had a birthday celebration, if you could call it a celebration around that, because I didn't want life to be different for the kids. But it was. And the most extraordinary thing was my youngest, Matthew, was 15, and I knew with social media that I had to get a hold of Maddie right away because I did not want him finding out that his dad had passed away via Facebook or Skype or something that the kids would use. And that was an extraordinary experience to walk into a high school and pull Maddie out and and tell him what had happened. It changed his life and changed our lives forever. And so that kind of a thing, you know, fortunately, mom and dad have just been married 62 years. I'm so grateful for that, that they've had such a long life together. And as we put it, they still have fun and enjoy each other. Um, Obviously, I wasn't going to have that experience with Lou, and and I felt, I felt, kind of gypped in a way. But I, I, I felt that okay, now I had to pull my bootstraps up and I had to move forward. And so, thank goodness for mom and dad for being there, coming over. Um, dad actually works for us for our company for BenfoTeaming.net, or now it's BenfoComplete.com. Pop, um, you were working for us for a short period of time. 
uh, as our customer service guy. You're the Dr. Jack in the, in the whole scenario. And we're going to have to take a short break. But when we come back, Dad, I would really like for you to explain to our listeners what you do with me for our company and how that changed a little bit when you came over uh, and started working for me a little bit more full-time. So if our listeners could just stay on the line, uh, we're going to take a short break, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the company and how Dad plays an integral part of it and how Mom's there to support him in that. So thank you guys for being here. I can't. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and all you've done for me. And this is my public apology that I'm so sorry to have gotten you involved in this scenario that we're going to talk about. But I promise to every will, that I will do everything for you in my power to make your life going forward as best you can. So, listeners, stay here. Wait for you know. Come back to us uh, and listen to our conversation with Dr. Jack and Gwen Butts. This is Defining Moments, and I'm Debbie. I'd love for you to come back. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at smile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. 
Welcome back, everybody, and thank you so much for being with us here. We've just been talking with Dr. Jack and Gwen Butts, my mom and dad, about the call and when we found out that my husband, Lou, had passed away so suddenly. But dad was working for me at the company at the time. He was working for Lou, actually, and I really needed him to do more than just answer an occasional question if someone called in. So, Dad, could you kind of explain what you were doing for the company at the time Lou died and how that changed uh, when you and I start started working together? Sure. Let me just uh, mention one thing first. Talking about coincidences, uh, when Lewis died the way he did, it was strangely reminiscent of my own father's death. My dad died when I was 20. And he is—he was only 46 years old when he died from a heart attack in the middle, right following an operation, a simple operation. So that was my life-changing thing at that time. That was way back in 1950. Anyway, that Lou should die in a similar manner was very unusual. Anyway, uh, I had been retired for a long time, mainly because my dad had died so young. And I really uh, had been in very good health, but I began to think that maybe I wasn't in as good health as I thought he was because Dad had a clogged coronary artery in his in his heart, which would kill anyone in, in a matter of hours, and uh, it could happen to anybody. But anyway, uh, I was doing several things in retired mode and having a lot of fun, perhaps uh, more fun than I should have had. But uh, I knew that Lou was working very hard since he was a sole manuf- manufacturer and running the whole company by himself. Uh, I said, well, maybe I can help him out with my medical background. It would be fun to talk to people. I've always liked to do that anyway. And uh, as a dentist, as most people know, you have to talk to people all the time. Otherwise, they'll try to get out of your chair. (laughs) Anyway, we don't let that happen. So uh, my chore, my job at that time was to uh, answer phone calls. Lou had a, a... Great list of customers already lined up, or patients, whatever you like to call them, around the country. And uh, the product was relatively new uh, in the country, although it had been around for 65 years, the benfotamine product, but uh, hadn't been that well known. And Lou came across it and developed it and uh, became extremely successful in a very short time. And uh, I said, well, I... When you, I want you to take some time off occasionally, so if you want to take vacation for a week or two, I'd be more than happy to, to do that part of the, of the office procedure and just talk to people about the product and take orders for them. And it was really fun. Talk to people around the world, actually, which in itself is unusual. But uh, a lot of people, I soon found out how many people there were in high-distress situations with the pain associated with diabetes and high sugar levels. Uh, that affected many things, everywhere from eyesight to uh, kidney function and, of course, pain. The neuropathy situation was the greatest because we just don't have... There's millions and millions of people in the country with peripheral neuropathy. Many times it is completely contributed by the sugar in your blood, which is related with the diabetes. And I've had everything from people who tell me that they, they could not sleep, they could not walk, One poor gal actually said, if you can't help me, I'm going to commit suicide. And then I began to realize what a serious problem that this is and will always be. So anyway, uh, I started doing that, and I've been doing that now for about 10 years. And uh, 
We're not quite as busy as we were initially because the product has been so successful that the Internet uh, has come in and taken some some of our folks away because they can come up with much lower prices, but the quantity is, quality is not the same. So anyway, that's what I did for seven or eight years, and I am still doing it, and I have the advantage of being able to do it from home. I can even play golf, and even at my age, I still play golf, if that's what you want to call it. And uh, I can come home from playing and look at my computer and see that I've got four or five people that had called and left messages for me. So it only takes a short time for me to pick those calls up and uh, fill out their orders and talk to them. In many cases, I talk to some folks for half an hour. So I don't get paid by the uh, phone minute, though. (laughs) <laughs> well, you've been an extraordinary help for me, Dad, and it's really funny. I remember at the beginning that um, we probably fired you and then uh, rehired you and did some remedial training, and I, I thought that was interesting <laughs> to be able to do that at first, but you, you're you extraordinary, and, and are, you have become an integral part of the company as Dr. Jack, and we sign things as Debbie and Dr. Jack, so I know well, Mom uh, sometimes becomes a work widow because of the work that both uh-huh. of us are doing, yeah. and uh, thank you, Mother, for for. Putting up well, with that the good, and, news, and the good news there is that I do get my benzotiamine free. <laughs> yes, you do. And I do also. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Now, Dad, um, you know, I was explaining earlier that after Lou died for those first six months, you know, I all I was doing was working, and all you were doing was working, and, and we did a lot of work together. And when um, my girlfriend said, Deb, you need a life, I don't know if I went to you and mom initially, but I remember flying up to Virginia with you guys. And mom, you can attest to this. I, I had just gone online to an, a faith-based online dating site, and I, I had friends who had met spouses, you know, with, and, and wonderful men online. And they said, "Oh, you got to try this. You got to try this." So I did, and I put my profile out there. And now I came with what I considered some baggage with the kids and and uh, company and, and all these things that had happened. And I was tried to be as perfect as I could in my, in my profile. And I wanted to be just right. You know, don't we all, especially trying to put ourselves out there at 52 and dating again, I was, I was, I think those anxieties and, and things that I had when I was young came back and I, I, I felt safe because I was at my home, in my home behind my computer, but again, I was putting myself out there to the world and that's very disconcerting at 52. So, when I first uh, got a, interested in a gentleman, he was from London and from, uh, you know, he was a widower. He had lost his wife. And I remember flying with you, Mom. I, I took you aside and I said, hey, guess what I'm doing? And I have to admit <laughs> that I wasn't sure you were going to go for it because I figured, well, this is really unconventional. And Mom's probably thinking I'm, uh, I'm pretty crazy trying to do this. But, Mom, how did you feel when I mentioned to you that I'd gotten connected with someone and I told you about him and his family? And, and uh, give us a little bit of your feelings in this moment. Well, the, the reason I was excited about it is because one, a very dear friend who had been married to a doctor, uh, he had gone, along, gone away, and she heard that there was online, online dating, and some of her girlfriends acted the way Debbie's friends did, and said, oh, come on, do it, do it, do it. Well, Pat was educated lady, and very capable, had her own company, and after a while, she said, yeah, maybe I'm going to do that, okay? So she did, and uh, one gentleman, oh, maybe down the line six months or eight months later, uh, called and said that uh, he was very interested in her write-up. Um, he was uh, 
a Methodist minister or a minister, and he had taken care of his wife for 14 years. Well, Pat, being a nurse and other things that she did besides nursing, decided maybe this sounded very, very nice because Pat Patricia was very, very religious, had been in many uh, parts of the world to help her church. So she told me about it, and she said, you know what I did? I said, yes, I would have lunch with him. And so they arranged a, a, a restaurant and that they were going to meet there for lunch. Well, after she talked to this gentleman, she called her daughter, and her daughter was just upset as could be. What are you doing, mother? You know, the whole five yards. Anyway, she said, I'm going to meet this gentleman at a restaurant, and I want you to be there with a girlfriend, okay? And if things are not going the way I think they will go, I will just go right over to you and say, oh, here's my daughter. I'll go home with my daughter. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, uh, Pat and this gentleman hit it off 100%, uh, having been a minister and Pat being all over the world ministering to people. They uh, had dinners, many dinners, and after six months, they got married. The family was wonderful to them. Today, they have been married, I think, about 15 years, very happily, and they have traveled all over the world ministering to people in China and all over. And so when Deb told me what was going on and the background of this gentleman uh, being in London and other places and et cetera, et cetera, I said, I told Deb immediately what had happened with Pat. And that was so successful. And to hear what this gentleman had told Deb about his future, his past, his children, uh, et cetera, et cetera, it sounded like something else, like what Pat did. So, so it was really it was that. really exciting for me that you were so enthusiastic about it because mm-hmm. I think I might mm-hmm. have I might have backed off a little bit um, because it's very important to me to have the support of the family uh, for anything that I'm doing. And so Pat did it great. She she met him. She she had a good profile out there. She saw him in person and her you know got her family involved and that was important. Um, that was not so in, in our case because Eric was overseas and I wasn't able to have him here in person. Um, and even though we tried to, we made hotel reservations for him to come for Christmas. And I remember uh, Jenny and I, I believe it was Jenny and I went over to your house that Christmas and we had anticipated him coming. And then he didn't come for some reason. So there were a lot of ups and downs. So for those of you that are out there that are online dating or are thinking about it, I am not a, a online dating basher. I am a great proponent of it. I think it's, it's very important, um, especially for folks that can't get out and, you know, do a lot of mingling in person. Um, but there are a lot of things that you need to be aware of. And one of them is see the whites of their eyes and do it soon. Um, that's what mom's friend Pat did. She was able to have lunch and dinner with this man. And, and that was really important. But in our story, now we'd gone up to Virginia and I, had the, the Inquisition by my brothers. Uh, my sister-in-laws were all bought in, but I remember sitting and listening to the boys, and they're like, you need a background check. You need this and this and this and this, and they were just overwhelming. Um, but the more they said to me to be careful and to be cautious, uh, the more I was like, well, I'm an adult. Why can't I do mm-hmm. this on my own? And um, you and Dad never did that to me. You never said that to me. I think you just kind of were glad that I wasn't alone. 
even though Eric was not here in person, we we wrote um, every day, all day long, basically. Uh, for those of you that love to write, I journaled our, our experience. It was a two-year relationship. I journaled everything, and I had 4,000 pages of journal that I had printed, thinking I was having family history here uh, for my kids one day. They could see how Eric and I met and how we got together. But over the events, over the time, um, he started to ask me to help him, to help him with his company, to help him with friends. And I did that. I, I sent a little bit of money at first. I, and I've got to tell you, I'm one of those damn Yankees who does not give money away freely, uh, except to church and really good organizations. But I decided that I could help him because he was an international business. I was an international businesswoman. I understood that sometimes you don't get paid on a job until the end. And so he needed he needed some help. Dad, mom, are you pushing buttons? Okay. Um, so anyway, I, I started to give him a little bit of money. And then people started telling me, stop, don't give him any money. Don't do anything like that. And my kids did it. And as soon as they started to tell me what not to do, it's like a two-year-old, I wanted to do it. And I stopped bringing them in. I, I stopped telling them what was going on. And I really didn't tell anybody that I had sent money until about a year and a half into it. And then Eric needed uh, about $100,000 and I didn't have it. And he said, Deb, I will repay it as soon as I can within, you know, within weeks. Can you get it from someone else? And the only people I could think of were mom and dad. And I actually, I went to dad. And dad, are you there? And hear this part because I called dad up and I told him what was going on and I said look we've got this good investment for you and you're going to be able to come you know we'll, we'll be able to uh, to pay you back with some really good interest could you help me out it's kind of a quick turnaround and dad are you there yes, what did you say to me we only have a couple of minutes before we have to go to another break okay. but when I asked well, you for the money you, when I asked you, you for the money how America did you feel get a loan on our condo and uh, we had a fully paid condo that was worth you know, three or four hundred thousand. So I said, "Sure, I'm sure I can get some money." She said, "Well, can you get as much as you can from it?" And I said, "Well, I'll talk with the banker," which I did. And they said, "No." <laughs> I said, "Okay." So then I went to my broker. I'm not a big broker person or stock and bond person, and I've had some tragedies there myself. Anyway. Uh, I went there. I was able to cash in a lot of the stock I had, so at least I got $100,000 pretty quickly. And uh, the one thing that was struck me a little funny about it was Debbie kept saying, now, don't tell anybody about this. Don't even tell Mom. I said, I'm not sure I could get away with that. So anyway, <laughs> in a loss, I did finally tell Gwen a short time later. And But we were so certain this was a an upright person that it didn't bother us because I knew Debbie... The way Debbie was, uh, all my kids, fortunately, are intelligent kids and know how to figure things out. And I say, well, then, then nobody could fool us. And that's what happened. Next thing I know, uh, the money was gone, and then so was the rest of it. But the reason, well, one reason I, I did do it, too, because we had another opportunity that, that Deb had told me about years ago, a financial thing where one of her friends had a small company. She said, buy their stock. I said, okay, so we bought, you know, maybe... $10,000 worth of the stock. Anyway, that it, that stock went up from $4 a share to $40 a share in less than six months. So I'm saying, man, my daughter is a genius. So anyway, I went to a friend of mine who was big in the stock market. I said, told him about this company. He says, can you and your daughter afford to lose $250,000? I said, no. He says, well, sell it right now. 
So I went home, told Debbie, they would must sell this stock. And we decided not to. And next thing I know, it was all worthless. So we've had some opportunities to mess up like that ourselves. So you live and learn. <laughs> Well, that is certainly true, and and I've learned that our last suit has no pockets, and so we're not taking the money with us, but we are going to take those defining moments with us, and that's something that we're going to end up talking about uh, in a few moments. We do have to take another break coming up um, after this next break. We're going to talk about what actually happened with Eric, my, my love from London, and what it did to us and how it changed our lives in an, in, in an incredible way. Uh, for good, actually. People might be thinking that it's a bad story, but it actually does end up for good. So thanks, Pop and Mom, for sharing a little bit about getting involved originally with money. And we're going to come back in a few moments. So don't leave, folks. If you're out there, come on back. Or don't, actually, don't go away. Stay tuned. And we're going to continue our discussion about what happens with the scam. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Thanks for coming back. And we just finished up talking to my mom and dad about uh, when I asked them for some money to help me out with my relationship with Eric. And I have to admit right now that, that there are some people thinking, oh, my gosh, how did this woman get involved in this? You know, is she not educated? But I am very well educated. And I, I, I was a former bank executive who was trained to detect fraud and scams. I was a former Air Force 
intelligence officer who was trained to keep national security secrets. I am a business owner and, you know, I've worked with a lot of money. I've worked with a lot of organizations and I was well trained. But the thing that happened here is that because Lou had passed away, um, I was at a point in my life where my heart was ruling my head. And I realized, actually, I was talking to a friend of mine this past year, and she was trying to figure out what made me do what I was doing here. And if you think of yourself as a piece of Swiss cheese and those big holes that there are in Swiss cheese, I had a big hole in me that felt like it had not been listened to. Uh, and probably for the all those years I was married, and I love Lou dearly, but he was a really big guy, bold guy, and it was a lot of times his way or the highway, uh, in a nice way. But I, I really lost my voice. I, I didn't stand up for myself in many ways. I didn't, um, I didn't want contention. So if something came up, I kind of just said yes, 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 and, and went and did my own thing or whatever. And all those years, that created a big hole in me. And when I got involved with Eric online, Again, we never saw each other over two years, but we talked um, on the phone, and he did have a British accent, and we wrote to each other for two years, uh, many, many hours a day or at night, and so I knew him. He was becoming my life, and... He listened to me. He wrote to me, and he, when I would write and tell him how I was feeling, and I, I told him everything about my life, my heartaches, my hurts, my loves, my ups, my downs. And so he would write back, and that filled that hole in me, that Swiss cheese was being filled up. And I have to say now that in spite of everything that happened, I am very grateful that he filled up that hole in me because it has allowed me to speak again, to find my voice and to stand up. And over those two years, you know, we had our ups and downs. We had heartaches. And he always, when, even when I was, you know, kind of wondering what's going on, what address is he at, I, w- I would, because of my intelligence training, I could look at a picture and I could tell where I thought he was. He would tell me about a hotel he was in in Hong Kong and I would Google Earth it and I would look at it. And I would say, you know, could he be there? And then I actually sent a package to a hotel over there and it got sent back and I called the owner and I said my boyfriend is in room 301 why are you sending this back and he's like Miss Montgomery I'm sorry but you know he's not in 301 and I, I would ask Eric I was like well why why the inconsistencies and he always had a good response a good answer back he always justified it and because I had no predilection that anybody would lie to me I believed him I totally trusted what he was telling me and so did my family you know, at least the family I was talking to about this. And so when it came down to the end and one day, Eric, you know, I'd given him a lot of money knowing he was coming home to me. And, you know, when he came online one morning, it was actually September 10th, 2012. He, the first thing he said to me was, how do you feel about forgiveness? And I'm a very spiritual person, and I teach a lot in church and things and women's groups, and I put on my spiritual hat, and for hours I talked about forgiveness, how important it was, how I'd done it in my life before, and how you know you have to do, do so to be able to move on. And we got disconnected. We got disconnected for a good period of time. And then he came back, and he said, do you remember what we were talking about? And I said, yes. He goes, well, let's revisit that. How do you feel about forgiveness? And finally I said, Eric, did I do something wrong? What is going on here? And he said, Deb, I have something to tell you. I have a confession to make. And when he said that, I took a pause. And I'm like, I've heard this before. I don't like when people feel like they need to confess to me. And he said, 
I have to confess this has all been a scam. And at that point, my heart was ripped out from my chest again. It was worse than when Lou had died because this time I was a part of it. And I didn't know what to say to him except that I felt like he was lying to me. And I said, you have to prove it to me. You have to prove to me that, that this is a scam. And he said, unbeknownst to me on Yahoo Chat, there was a little camera and he was going to be able to come on live. Well, I had asked him for two years to do that and he said he didn't have the capability wherever he was in the world. He came online. I was expecting to see my tall, handsome guy from England. And I'm looking at my computer screen and I see this dark-haired, dark-eyed, dark-skinned young man who happened to be from Nigeria. And I just about died. Fortunately, my intel training kicked in and I got my phone and I took a picture of him. And I have a picture in my book. I ended up writing a book called The Woman Behind the Smile. And in the book is the actual picture of Joseph. Because my Eric at that point was gone. And he and I kept on and I'm like, I wondered why he had told me. Because scammers never confess. They don't confess. And I'm like, why did you do this? Why did you confess to me? And he said, because he had fallen in love with me for my goodness and my kindness. And he wanted it to continue. And he had this big smile on his face. And he goes, can we continue? And I'm looking at him going, are you out of your mind? He says, is it because I'm black? And I'm thinking, no. I said, you've lied to me for two years. You took over a million dollars from me in two years. Why would I, why would I want to continue this? And we actually did continue um, in conversation for a couple of months because at that point I figured the FBI can help me. And I called mom and dad when he and I hung up, you know, got offline, and I called my folks and I told them what happened. Of course, it was devastating to all of us. They came right over and went with me to the FBI. But dad, I want you to tell everybody, how did you feel when I called you? and told you that it had all been a scam. What, what, what came to your mind at that point? Well, the first thing, of course, was that it's impossible. I say, first of all, I had so much trust in your judgment that I said, no way could anybody fool you. Of course, you know, all of us have gotten these things on the Internet. There's some guys looking for money because there's some money waiting for you. But in most cases, it's very grammatically poorly done. So you know it's some idiot. But anyway, that's been happening for years. But this was such a long-term thing. And uh, so they say, I didn't think that you could be fooled by anyone, nor could I, hopefully. And that's all. I mean, the money was a lot, of course. But as you said, you didn't mind the money. It was just that anyone could hurt you so badly, so easily. And that's, that's, that's the main thing. Well, it, it was terrible. It was terrible for and for me, it, you know, besides being scammed for so much, now I had the the thought that, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I asked you guys for money and I can't pay you back. And I felt awful because you're not getting any younger. None of us are. But, you know, here I had promised you that this would be an investment and that we would pay you back right away. And, you know, bless your hearts, you and mom, you know, you came right over and we packed up my 4,000 pages of journal and my all my, you know, three ring binder and went to the FBI. And I remember when we walked in there, they were like, uh, they were just floored with the story. And then they said, this is really terrible. Deb, you've been this victim, but there's nothing we can do. And how did you feel when you heard that there was nothing the FBI could do, Dad? 
I realized why, because Niger- I've never been to Nigeria, but I, I can imagine that there's lots of this kind of stuff going on. And we even tried to trace the email addresses and all that kind of stuff ourselves. And it was so such an intricate thing and so well planned. This guy was an absolute genius. And uh, I'm sure he's done many more things like that. And then he's, I think he said to you, oh, I'll, I'll try and get it back for you. I'll try and get you some money back. I said, yeah, that's a fat chance of that. So anyway, it was, you know, it's only money, and we've lost, we lost our home in a fire. We've had other things happen over the years that would you know, ordinarily devastate a family. But I guess we've been very good at capable of handling those things. We don't like to have that chore to do, but, you know, each one of our lives has some pain. And uh, I felt, we felt most badly for you, of course. Uh, well, I remember you saying that the, the first impression was you wanted to fly over to Nigeria. <laughs> yeah, I've got a ton of great big strong grandsons. I mean, I'm six foot one, two hundred and twenty pounds, but these guys are bigger than me. So I said, I'm going to go over there with these kids, and we're going to find that SOB somehow. And he'll wish he had never done this. <laughs> that was kind that, of wishful thinking. <laughs> well, that's that's an interesting concept because most men that have heard my story, that's their first reaction, is uh-huh. they they are so upset that they weren't there to protect me, and they want to go, you know, exact revenge. And uh, we know that's not ever going to happen. And I think the whole forgiveness part, I, I was able to forgive Eric or Joseph for what he did um, only because I needed to forgive myself. And that was the most important thing so I could move forward. And if, if I can encourage anyone that has been taken advantage of, the, the one thing you need to do is forgive yourself first uh, for, for things that have happened. Uh, you might have caused them. You might have been, you know... A victim of some kind, but you have to let your heart go uh, and let that go because you'll never be able to move forward. And we're going to come to a close in a few minutes, Dad, but um, I hope that you and Mom can forgive me for what happened because you're the most important people in my life. And I feel terrible about what had happened, but I'm so grateful that you've been there with me and have been with me for the woman behind the smile because now I'm dropping the I'm dropping the mask and I'm dropping you know I'm I'm putting up a smile I'm I'm becoming the woman with the smile because I'm on a mission and I'm glad that you and Mom are here with me because it doesn't matter that it was my million dollar scam or someone else's devastating divorce or a financial fiasco whatever our stories. I said before, our last suit has no pockets. We can't take the money with us, but we can take our family members and our defining moments and then use them for good. And that means we have to stand up. We need to stand up in our power, and we're going to change the world with our goodness because there's a huge divide now between evil and good. And I want us to, to be able to forgive and move forward. And to do that, we have to tell our stories. We have to remove the mask and rather being the woman behind the smile or the man behind the smile, we must be the people with the smiles. And we need to be strong. We need to speak up and not feel that people are going to ridicule us for what has happened because I can tell you that everybody's going to have a defining moment in their lives. Everybody's going to be taken for one thing or another. And, you know, what one person might think is stupid, another person is going, oh, gosh, that happened to me too. And people have power 
in numbers. And when I can speak and tell a woman that, yes, I was scammed for a million dollars, I still believe in online dating for some people, but not, you know, you've got to see the whites of their eyes. You have to meet them in person. You have to know who they are and just be careful, beware. But if it happens to you, don't beat yourself up. You need to find, the, you know, your, your inner strength and join with us. Join the Woman Behind the Smile movement. Go to my website and download the seven steps to standing up in your power because you need to stand up. You need to speak up and find someone that you trust. You need to find that parachute and just jump. I've done some incredible things since this has happened. And I'm so grateful that I've been able to stand up again and find my voice for those that don't have a voice in this particular situation. So, Mom and Dad, thank you so much for being with us today. The show has gone by so quickly. Um, I am so grateful for the opportunity to to speak to others, to stand up and to find our power in whatever we need to do. And thank you so much for being there for me, folks, um, and for helping me with the kids and everything. And, and for those of you that are listening, there's a happy note to this. I have remarried. I will celebrate my second anniversary in October. I was married to a wonderful, wonderful man who has supported me in this whole adventure. And he heard the story on our second date. And if someone could hear that story and still still stick with me and be so supportive, I found a gem in the world. And for those of you that are still looking for that gem, there's one out there for you. It only takes one. So I want you to take your defining moment this week and stand up for good. Make it a good defining moment. Make it worth your life and um, and your families. So thank those people that are around you. Trust them with your stories. Tell somebody if you're hiding something. It's the only way you're going to be able to move forward. So I'm so grateful for this inaugural show. Thank you, Mother and Dad, for being my first guests. This is incredible. And you got to come back someday because we have more stories to tell. So we're going we're gonna to sign off pretty soon, but I hope you can all come back next week. We will have excellent guests that are going to give their defining stories, and we're going to move forward from this moment on. So thank you all so much, and God bless everybody that's hearing this today. And, uh, and come back and visit, it, visit with us next week. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Defining Moments. Be sure to join Debbie Montgomery Johnson for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Find your power this week.